looking at the Word of God. As we go to Psalm chapter number 12, I have on the screen a different, uh, a different verse, and that is uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And I'm going to go ahead and ask Sam to turn down the bank of lights when he gets the chance so that you can see the screen a little better. And I'll try to, uh, to not be in the way of the screen. I don't need uh, the lights. Go ahead and just turn them down, Sam. Turn them all the way down. I can, I can do okay without it, I think. And so Psalm chapter 12 and verse number 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. What does God say is pure? What is pure in verse 6? The words of the Lord. The words of the Lord are pure words. And they are tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Everybody get a handout. If you didn't get one, I got one if you want it. So make sure you, you got one and if you wave at me if you don't. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's a whole bunch of really self-important people out there who are telling us now that verse 7 is not talking about the words. Verse 7 is talking about the people of God back up in the previous verses. In other words, verse 7 is referring to God preserving his people from this generation forever. Well, certainly I believe that God will preserve his people. In fact, we call it saved, right? But I have a question. If, if God isn't going to preserve his word or hasn't preserved his word, then how in the world do you think he's going to preserve his people? Where do you get the idea that he's going to preserve his people? Did you look at a tree and say, wow, God made that tree. He's going to preserve his people. Did you look at a rock? Did you pet a dog and get that idea? Did you look at the stars at night and say, I'm inspired by the stars. God's going to preserve his people. What gives us the idea that you can be saved as a human being? His word. Well, if his word isn't preserved, how do I know I can trust his word to tell me I can be preserved? I mean, if God can't preserve his word, then how guaranteed is my preservation? So I have a real problem with the silliness of the scholars. And, um, and by the way, the scribes and the Pharisees were around in Jesus' day. You know what scribes are? People who did the writing. So understand that God's word has been under attack since the Garden of Eden. Someone in the Garden of Eden said, Yea, hath God said, It wasn't Adam, and it wasn't Eve, it was the snake. He cast doubt on the word of God. He got Eve to doubt what God said. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The idea that inspiration, that idea is God breathed, theophnustos, given by inspiration of God. God breathed. God gave us his word. Man shall not live, Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. You have to breathe in order to talk. Your breath is what shoves the words out. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus also said in Matthew, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know what I can also say from other verses in the Bible? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his people will not pass away. His people will move on to a new heaven and a new earth. And God's word and God's people who listen and, and obey and believe his word have that preservation. So tonight I just want to talk about this. I'm not going to be able to talk about it as thoroughly as I want to. But the preservation of scripture is under attack. We're told now, now, it's not the translations that are preserved. It's not the copies that are preserved. It's only of the originals. Well, you know how many people have access to the originals today? Nobody. There are no originals from the Apostle Paul. I mean, we have the original Constitution Declaration of the United, you know, the United States under glass in D.C. At least I've been told we do. And we've got one out in our foyer that's a copy. But I've been told the original is somewhere in Washington. And I believe them. And it's under glass. But you know, when God gave us his word, he didn't give it to be put in a museum. 
He gave it to be used. And instantly his word was getting copied so that other churches could have a copy. All the epistles in the New Testament are about copying his word and then sending it out. And so we, we do not have the originals. Why? Because the purpose of the word was to be used. And what happened is, is the manuscripts got used until, have you, have you ever had this problem? I've got Bibles on my desk I can't use for my preaching because they're just falling apart. Now, I don't want to get rid of them because there's lots of good notes in there that I've written down, but they're like loose leaf, you know? And what happens to our Bibles that are bound with sophisticated modern technology? They fall apart when you use them. Imagine documents, imagine manuscripts from 2,000 years ago. See, don't, don't fall for the idea that oldest is the best. Because what happened is, is that there were some false manuscripts, some, some, some word of the words that were not God's word, but were twisted and changed. And, and uh, they were changed in places. And, and then people who were using the word, by the way, even USA Today did a, a study of all the people who, who actually read the word of God on a daily basis. The old King James is still... The, the highest percentage of Bible reading people. That, why? Because if you're serious enough to read it, you'll want to read the best one you can get a hold of. What I'm trying to say is, is that God's people 1,000, 1,500 years ago said, man, we're not reading this junk. This, this isn't. And, and you and I know, I mean, if you've got some other whatever that you realize wasn't as good or whatever, you shelve it. What happens when you leave something on a shelf for a long time versus when you use it every day? Guess which one wears out? So don't fall for the trick when they say, oh, but ours are older. Yeah, you know why yours are older? Because nobody wanted to use them. My father-in-law's got a tractor in the front of his his barn. It's his favorite. Hardly anything on it's original anymore. Because he wore out the rubber, he wore out the belts, he wore out this, he wore out that. But it's still his favorite tractor. In the back of his barn, he's got some other tractor he never uses. But it's got original parts on it. Ah, that's his favorite one. No, no. It stayed in mint condition because he realized it wasn't very good. Don't fall for the manuscript junk when they tell you that the older ones are actually better. No, no, the older ones are probably around because... Nobody wanted them, and they sat on a shelf and sat in a dumpster somewhere and and forgot to get burned. Tonight, we're looking at the Bible itself, and we'll talk about some things about God's Word. There's really just two different places you need to remember when when you talk about this, and that's Antioch and Alexandria. Antioch is where they were first called Christians. In the book of Acts, it says they were called Christians first in Antioch. And Antioch was Antioch of Assyria, north of Jerusalem. There was persecution in Jerusalem. So the, the church really blossomed in Antioch. And from Antioch is where Paul and Barnabas went out on their missionary journeys. Someone has put together a lineage to show us how that from Antioch, the word of God spread. And of course, Paul, Barnabas, and others sent out. Then in Alexandria, Egypt, you've got what was kind of the scholarship of the day and, and the epicenter of the intellectuals. And by the way, whenever you hear that, although it might be intimidating, just remember intellectuals. I mean, I mean, really, should we trust scientists? I, I, I believe science is something we should pay attention to. But just because someone calls themselves a scientist, should we believe them? Were you here about four years ago? Were you paying attention when the scientists said what they said? Did you, well, they're scientists. They've got PhDs and diplomas. So that's what's Alexandria, Egypt. But Alexandria, Egypt has nothing, there's nothing positive about Alexandria, Egypt in the Bible. Everything, in, it, everything with a reference to Alexandria is always negative. There's a reason for that. And from Alexandria came all these manuscripts that eventually went into Rome. <clears throat> and the Roman Catholic Church is where those Alexandria manuscripts, those forgeries, those knockoffs, those changes in manuscripts happen. So someone has put together these two lineages for us to understand the, uh, the problem here. So you have on the screen what you have in your hand, and you can look at this, and it's tiny print. I don't suggest you try to read it all right now, 
but, but it is tiny print. But what it shows is that there is the lineage that was copied down. The word of God was given. It was given in Hebrew. It was given in Greek. It was given in Latin. It was given in Syriac and God's word was given and then it was copied and eventually translated. And we have God's word in our language, the English language today in the King James Bible. Now, maybe you've never heard this before, so you're not aware or you're not of the opinion that it's a big deal. What I learned a long time ago is there's really just two streams. On the back side of your paper is this other screen. There really is just two streams. And when you realize it's not a choice of, you know, 150 different English translations, which one's right? All I got to do is figure out which one came from the right lineage. Which one came from the right tree? Was it the Antioch lineage or was it the Alexandrian? And when you look at these charts, you, you can see which one comes from which. Just this, this past week, you started looking at something on Monday nights concerning uh, biblical citizenship. There was mention of the Geneva Bible. Now, the Geneva Bible was a good Bible. It came from the right lineage. See, that it's, it's listed on the right side. It's on the Antioch stream. And the pilgrims, when they came to America, they came in 1621. That's what Plymouth Rock says, 1621, right on it. And they came, and when they got to America, they had in their hands, and they were reading, and they had been reading for several years from the Geneva Bible. It's a good Bible because it comes from the right lineage. However, I do think the King James is even better. I think it's better for a couple reasons. Now, the King James came out in 1611. So it's understandable that the pilgrims did not have the King James because it had only been out for 10 years, and... They had been used to their Geneva, and it was almost the same. But the idea that the Geneva is better is not true. However, at least it comes from the same lineage, the right lineage. That's good. However, there are some things about the Geneva I just want to warn you about. Number one, it had notes in the margins. And they had lots of notes and lots of opinions and lots of slants and lots of things that people who were part of the Geneva, Switzerland group that put this together, they would write their commentary in there. I believe personally that the reason why God blessed the King James over the Geneva is because King James said, I I want you to make sure when you translate this and you produce this, it has no notes on the side. I just want it text and cross-reference, but no slant on it. There's a few other words that the Geneva has that are okay, but the King James, I think, was better. I think this is why after a short while, by the 1700s, the King James was, was translated 1611. In 1769, it, it, it had kind of an update. That doesn't mean they had to change anything, but they had to maybe tweak the font, the Old English with two Fs and an E, like you know, or two P's and an E, like shop with two P's and an E or something like that. Um, they, they changed maybe some spelling or maybe fixed something that the printer got wrong. But 1769 is basically the King James we use today. Well, what else happened around 1769? Oh, yeah, there was the birth of a nation. The nation didn't really get born in 1621, although I'm thankful that there was certainly a start but what, what unfortunately the folks that we are even studying under are not going to remind us of is that it wasn't long before the Puritans started trying to run everybody else according to their, there was no freedom of religion. And the beauty of America is in the 1700s, even the Baptists said, no, no, Patrick Henry, I know you want to make Virginia a Baptist state, but we don't believe in that. We believe in the separation of church and state. And we believe in the freedom of religion. And so even though we'd love for everyone to be Baptist, and many were in Virginia, we believe in the freedom of religion. And God blessed that. And God's word grew and multiplied. Since you are our folks, and since you are here tonight, I'm not going to make this a huge deal, but here's what I want to say concerning wall builders, David Barton, Rick Green. I wrote them a letter 15 years ago, and I said, hey, I, am, I appreciate what you guys are doing, and I like it. That's why we're having the class on Monday nights even now. I said, but it just, it's just, and I didn't say it this way, but it, it insults my intelligence that you're going to pull out the 1776 document called the U.S. Const- or the, excuse me, the Declaration of Independence. And then the 1780s, there was the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. 
And then you're going to read from the NIV and the ESV that came out in the 70s and 80s. Why can't you read from the Bible that the founders were using? What Bible were the founders using in 1776? It's not a hard question. But see, what David Barton and Rick Green and the others are admitting is, even their audience ain't got it anymore. We just sang the Bible stands. They're complaining about monuments not being noticed. Listen, the word of God has been under attack for a long time. And Satan figured something out. If you can't beat them, see he used to have in Europe, they used to tie people to stake and set them on fire. But the Satan figured out after America got going, if you can't beat them, let's join them. Let's just put a Christian label on a lot of stuff. And let's just try to, try to undermine the word of God by changing it and still calling it the word of God. That's what's been going on now. But years ago, I heard someone teach this, and it really helped me to understand. I don't have to make a decision between 150 different English versions. By the way, let me stop and say this. What a crying shame that there are, in the last 100 years, there are now 150 English versions, and there's, there's countries that still haven't got a good translation yet. Somebody is doing something wrong. If all these guys that are energized at, at, at trying to get another version going in English, as if we don't have a good one already. Ronald Reagan said it. Concerning the King James Bible, Ronald Reagan said, he was talking about the, the good news for modern man that came out in the, in the 70s or 80s. Ronald Reagan had that radio program. You can actually catch this. You can get it on our church website and our, and our church YouTube channel. Ronald Reagan said, they're always trying to get it right and they don't realize they've already gotten it right. He said, is the Bible supposed to read like today's newspaper? And so if these men that were so energized in another English translation were energized in getting out a good translation for someone in Africa or Sudan or somewhere else to read, I'm just picking out languages. I don't know who all doesn't have one yet. But I know this. I know there are many countries who do not have nearly the quality translation that we have had for years, for hundreds of years. And part of the reason why that is is because Every one of these new English versions that have come out have a copyright in the front. Your King James doesn't have a copyright in the front unless you've got some kind of a study Bible that has somebody's notes in it. So the real thing is money. This morning, someone at our collating time was talking about Rupert Murdoch and how that Rupert Murdoch uh, and the family of Rupert Murdoch uh, owned and I believe started Fox News and how that even the family is very liberal and they're, they're installing liberals. But you know, Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch owns the NIV copyright. Rupert Murdoch doesn't own the NIV copyright because he's a wonderful Christian. It has to do with marketing and money and, and what's the latest and greatest. Listen, God's word was never meant to be sell, sold. It was meant to be used and translated and copied. And even this morning, we were we were volunteering our time to collate God's word so that it could go to Africa and it's parallel. It's got English on one side and it's got their language on the other side. Free. People donated their time. People donated the money to pay for the paper, to print it on ink, ink on paper and to collate and all that. And we spend, we budget for that. Why? Because churches are supposed to reproduce the word of God. Not supposed to turn it over to Thomas and Nelson and Zondervan. They're going to mess it around with it. They're all they're a company. So anyway, I, I meant to show you this. It's real simple. There's one today that's available mainly, and that's the King James. This other stack, even the new King James, even the NIV and the ESV, and every other MICK, you know, every one you can come up with, they're kind of they're coming from that other line. So it's really simple. It's one or the other. Very simple. He said, but pastor, the these and thous are hard to read. If you'll start reading it, it won't take long to figure it out. 
And the more you are around people who are using that one all the time, the easier it is to understand it. It's not that hard. I'm going to quickly go through this tonight as much as I can. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7 in the King James says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In the NIV, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In the NASB, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. In the ESV, Philippians 2.6 says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Which one sounds, which one's easier to understand and which one sounds more correct? John 7, Jesus said, go ye not up, Go ye up to this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast. John 7 verse 8. For my time is not yet full come. There are so many modern versions that have taken out one word, yet. ASV, NRSV, NASV, SB, RSV, ESV. When you take out one word, guess what it makes Jesus? It makes him a liar because Jesus did go up. He went up later secretly. But when he said, I go not up yet, well, he's not lying. But when you take out yet, it, he looks like a liar. Who's the liars? Jesus or Satan? Matthew 7, verse 13, enter in at the straight gate. Verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. The new King James, the new King James, which is not the same. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Salvation is not difficult, but it is unpopular. Difficult makes it sound like you have to work for it. It's a slide in the wrong direction. Mark chapter 10, verse 24, Jesus said, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? But in the NIV it says how hard it is to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, wait a minute. Is it hard, or did Jesus say you must become as a child? Is it hard to get saved, or is it hard for them that trust in riches to get saved? What's the problem? Them that trust in riches. ESV, NRSV, how hard it is to enter. See, they're taking, how, and then this one down here is the NWT. Probably nobody in here has an NWT that you're using. How difficult a thing it is to enter in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so the NWT reads almost exactly like the other ones. The NWT is the New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible. Hello? So the modern versions that are in the Christian churches in Custer, South Dakota, are starting to line up with the New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible. Ding, ding, ding. There are clergy that don't even know that. Or don't care. Daniel chapter 3 verse 25. The king threw the three men in the fiery furnace. He said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the capital S, son of capital G, God. That's what the King James says. So who was the fourth man in the fiery furnace? Jesus. Jesus. The modern King James Version says, like a small s, small g, like a son of the gods. That's the modern King James Version. The New American Standard says the same thing, like a small s, son of the small g gods. The New International Version, like a son of the gods. The New Revised Standard Version has appearance of a god, small g. Basic Bible in English like a son of the gods. Revised Standard Version, like a son of the gods. ESV, English Standard Version, like a son of the gods. But then here's the same thing with the NWT, New World Translation, Jehovah's Witnesses Bible, resembling a son of the gods. It reads the same as the modern King James, as the NIV, as the ESV. Well, you don't understand. This is scholarship. And we found new manuscript evidence. Did you notice on your chart 
that over 5,000 manuscripts agree with the Antioch line and 45 manuscripts agree with the other line. But older is better. It doesn't matter if there's only 45. Older is better. Even when it changes, even when it matches the New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible that didn't even become a, a religion until the 1800s? What is going on? Somebody said, things that are different are not the same. They even wrote a book, Things That Are Different Are Not the Same. Well, that's a pretty intelligent title. But that's, this was the subject. If it's different, it's not the same. New World Translation. Look, I'm beholding four able-bodied men walking about free in the midst of the fire, and there is no hurt to them. And the appearance of the fourth one is resembling a son of the gods. It's interesting that the New World Translation insists on calling Jesus a God rather than God. But see, that's all about the New World that's what That's what the Jehovah's Witness teach. In fact, John chapter 1, verse 1, their Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a little g, God. But that's not what the Bible says. The Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. So, now, Acts chapter 8, 37. We've talked about this one. You take out verse 37, and it makes it look like baptism is what saves people. Verse 37 says, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. My little grandson was just here this week. I love him to death, and I think he's going to get saved one day, but I'm not baptizing him. And nobody else is either until he personally makes a decision and, and trusts Christ. As his, and it doesn't matter how old he is. We're not, I'm, no. And I'm not going to baptize anybody knowingly that isn't a believer. But all these other versions, including the New World Translation, has that verse missing. That by itself, if, if your modern Bible matches the New World Translation, that by itself should be enough for you to say, I'm getting rid of it. I'm, gonna stop. I gotta, I'm just going to make myself read the these and those. 1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one in the NIV, ESV, RSV, NRSV, NASB, and New World Translation. There are three witness bearers. There are three that testify. There are three that testify. But they take out the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. They wipe out the Trinity. In Genesis chapter 1, it's God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He was talking to himself when he said that. We understand the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses don't understand or believe in a Trinity like that. They don't believe Jesus was God, is God. They believe he earned it later on. So do the Mormons. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But the Revised Standard Version says in Isaiah 7, 14, a young woman shall conceive. Listen, it's not a sign when a young woman gets pregnant. That happens all the time. And the New Revised, the young woman is with child. That's not a sign. <clears throat> In Luke, 20, Luke chapter 2, verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things. ASV, NASB, NIV, ESV, his father and his mother marveled. Well, I mean, the King James is, is, is right. I mean, it's better to say Joseph, not father. See, if you're a Mormon, you believe that Jesus is the product of a natural relationship between God the Father and Mary. And that Mary was a virgin, but she wasn't a virgin when she gave birth because God impregnated her. That's just filthy. But they don't tell you that straight up, but that's what they believe, that, that, that Elohim came down and had a relationship with Mary. No, we believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, that he was born of a virgin. <clears throat> I read this in my Bible reading this morning, Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. 
And, verse 23, if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. What is her fruit? If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, what would her fruit be? Her child. If her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, in other words, the hurt caused her to go into labor and she gave birth, but everything was fine. It was, it was caused by the strife and the, and the, the trauma that she, that she was under, but, but God be praised, she was still able to deliver that baby, maybe prematurely, but everything was okay. The husband was allowed to say, this dude hurt my wife and threatened my baby and there needs to be a punishment. But if any mischief follow, refers to if the baby dies. Because it says, thou shalt give life for life. You know what they're trying to say? Well, if her fruit depart from her, she has an abortion, and yet she doesn't die, no big deal. The new versions say exactly that. If a man struggle with each other and strike a woman with a child so that she has a miscarriage and yet there is no further injury, she sh he shall surely be fine as the, husband's, the woman's husband made a demand of him and he shall pay the judges the, the judges decide. That's the NASV, uh, NASV 95 and then the message says the same thing. If she's hit so that she miscarries but otherwise is not hurt, then the man needs to pay something for doing that. I've had people argue with me about abortion and use these modern versions as their argument. I said, oh, that's not what the King James is saying. That, that's, that's one to think about there. But it really doesn't make any sense for them to, to say what they're saying because if any mischief fall, then thou shalt give life for life. People say, oh no, that's talking about the woman. Well, what's the fruit departing from her, yet no mischief follow? It's not fruit if it's a miscarriage. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the bright and morning star. Jesus is the bright and morning star. In Isaiah 14, 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? That's also King James. But Isaiah 14 and verse 12 in the, in the New International Version says, How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? Wait a minute. Morning star is Jesus. And they just added that title to Satan, Lucifer. We got a real serious problem here. And the New World Translation says, How have you fallen from heaven, O shining one, son of the dawn? ESV says, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn? It ought to be a little bit concerning when these modern Christian Bibles are lining up with the Jehovah's Witness Bible. The Bible doesn't need to be rewritten, it just needs to be reread. That's for sure. 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. In the new modern versions, you have devote yourself to public reading. Give attention to the public reading of Scripture. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Hey, listen, we're doing that tonight. We read the Word of God in church. There's nothing wrong with devoting yourself to public reading. But what does God want us to do? He wants us to read it even when it's not in public. God's Word isn't meant to just be read in public. It's to be meant for you to read it at your kitchen table or wherever you read your word every day. Little things that can change everything or, or water it down. Hebrews 11.4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which, the sacrifice, he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. What was it that God was pleased with? Abel's sincerity or his actual gift, the lamb 
Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb. And Abel somehow understood God wanted a Lamb. The message says it was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. As long as you're sincere, honey. That's not true. There are a lot of people who are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. There, there, there was a guy named Uzzah that was very sincere. There was the Ark of the Covenant in a wagon. It's not supposed to be in a wagon, but it was in a wagon. It was in a wagon because the Philistines put it in a wagon. The Philistines didn't know better. Well, the Israelites, who should have known better, are bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem. And the oxen stumbled, and the wagon shifted, and the Ark slid to one side. And Uzzah went... Now, you know why Uzzah did that? He was sincere. He didn't want the ark to flip out of the... But he touched it. And you know what happened? It's the thought that counts. No. Boom! He fell over dead. And David went, time out. We got to figure out what, what happened. And David, you read it, David said, I went back and I read what you priests should have known. I went back and read the word, and the word says we're not supposed to touch it. God's serious about what his word says. Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. In the new King James, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Hey, we're facing this problem right now. Because there's a whole bunch of sincere Christians out there who think we're supposed to support Israel because God promised them the land. God did not promise the descendants of Abraham the land. He promised his seed singular. And if you want to read the Bible in Galatians, it says Jesus is that singular seed. I asked my pastor years ago, who owns the land? He said, Jesus Galatians tells us not to seeds, plural, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Not every descendant. That comes from a teaching in the Schofield Reference Bible and other places. Even the New Living Translation uses descendants and other translations water it down and change its meaning. Daniel chapter 9, 24, it says in verse 24, to anoint the most holy. But other versions are saying to anoint the most holy place. They want to say that this has to do with a temple and we have to anoint this holy place. Therefore, we, the Jews have to rebuild the temple so that we can anoint this holy place. Or so it, you, ch- you, put, you add the word place, you're adding to the Bible. It doesn't say place. I believe it's talking about Jesus. And I believe when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, and he, and he was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended, descended on him like a dove, that was the anointing. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, this has to do with prophecy as well. In the future, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there coming falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The Bible clearly says the day of Christ will not come, verse 2 and 3, until the man of sin be revealed and a great falling away happens first. That falling away is the Greek word apostasia. Apostasy has to happen first and the man of sin has to be revealed first before the day of Christ will come. The day of Christ is the return of Christ. That messes up a lot of people's eschatology because they are teaching, the radio and TV preachers are teaching, that the man of sin, which they call the Antichrist, will not be revealed until Jesus raptures his people out. That's what they teach. That verse says otherwise. That verse says there'll be a falling away first and the man of sin will be revealed first. They don't want to hear that because that's not, that's scary. Well, there's already a falling away. And I don't want it to happen in my lifetime or your lifetime, but I do believe the man of sin being revealed is just around the corner. 
not far from now. So what you do when you don't like what the Bible says, you change something. You change it to say day of the Lord. Well, well, that doesn't change much, Pastor, because Christ, Lord, same person, same person, but it's a different meaning. Day of the Lord is different. In fact, in the Greek, in the Greek, in the, the Greek that the King James is translated from, the received text says Christos, which is Christ. That Alexandrian Greek that I've given you to think about tonight says Kyrio. Greek, Greek word is Kyrio, meaning Lord. So they literally are siding with the other line, the other lineage. The day of the Lord is different because day of the Lord has always been the judgment of God. So if you change it, then it, it calms everybody down because like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, the Antichrist will be around when the judgment of God. No, no, the day of Christ is positive. Christ is the Messiah. The word Christ means Messiah. The unsaved aren't looking for the Messiah, but we are. And it's also the New World Translation, the day of Jehovah. See, Jehovah is Lord, the day of the Lord. King James, day of Christ. This is, this is serious stuff. And I do, not, <clears throat> I do not go around, like for instance, if I am downtown, this summer and I'm walking down the sidewalk and I'm walking by the park and there's a bench and there's a person sitting on the bench and they've got a Bible in their lap. In this day and age, I'm like, wow, someone's reading the word of God. Praise the Lord. I don't run them and go, NIV. Wah, wah, wah. I'm just glad that they're reading the Bible. However, if they were sitting under my teaching or if I got to know them, I'd be like, Hey, I just want you to know why that, that one might have some good stuff in it, but it's got bad stuff in it. Here's why we use this one here. It comes from the right lineage. If you believe what you like in the Bible and reject what you don't like, it's not the Bible you believe, but yourself. The Bible is not a smorgasbord that you can go through a buffet line and pick out what you want. It's like I said about heaven and hell. You can't like heaven and then just say, well, I don't like the hell part. We read this already tonight. The words of the Lord are pure words. Thou shalt preserve them. In those modern versions, they change that, including the New World Translation, to make it sound like he's going to guard us, people, instead of the words. And again, the New World Translation has the same thing. Someone made this the Bible corrector's brain and they've got all these sarcastic things about how they think. And uh, scholarship only is a huge lobe right here. The Bible correction lobe. The Greek authority lobe. Whatever. This should be our fact checker. What I did tonight irritates some because what I did is I, I, I showed modern Bible translations with the New World Translation. Well, that's pretty simple, right? Well, that's not scholarly. No, but things that are different are not the same. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how scientific your explanation is. When the product is what it is, it's like, well, I don't want it. I don't care if you tell me electric cars are amazing. The product ain't impressing me, man. And I don't care what you say about your scholarship and your authorities and your manuscripts. When it reads like the New World Translation, I'm not impressed. Don't be intimidated by the scientists. We got scientists that are telling us the electric power is the way to go. Someone's paying them to say that. Someone's paying some of these big name preachers to push. I, I mean... John MacArthur, John Piper, the NIV, the ESV, Billy Graham, others. I believe this is the best we've ever had. Listen, there's kickbacks for that. There's, there's some, there, and they might be sincere, but I'm telling you right now, you watch out. You can't copyright the old King James in America. It's impossible to copyright it. 
So you can't make a lot of money on it. And in the copyright world, you can't copyright something unless it's changed enough to be considered something different. So you have to change it enough to copyright it. And the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm almost done. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. ESV, God will provide for himself the lamb. That's not quite the same. Did God provide himself a lamb? God provided himself a lamb. New World Translation, to this Abraham said, God himself will provide the sheep for the burnt offering. Leave it to Jehovah's Witnesses to change the meaning of who Jesus is. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, God was manifest in the flesh. NIV, ESV, he appeared in a body. He was manifest. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus appeared in a body? That's not the same as saying God was manifest in the flesh. And if you know anything about the Jehovah's Witnesses, they do not, they do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. He was made. See, when you just change it to he, well, see, well, pastor, I still can think of it as God. Right, but you watered it down. Which is more clear, he or God? You can't question the word God. It's God. But he can be whoever you want it to be. 1 John 4, 3, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Uh, you forgot something. He came in the flesh already. And the New World Translation, same thing. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. NIV, ESV. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever believes has everlasting life. New World Translation. Most truly I say to you, whosoever believes, believes what? Believeth on me. Two words, just two words. You just got to believe. You just got to have faith in what? In who? These are just subtle changes. And they say, well, you can still find the right doctrine in somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, but what? Come on. This is starting to water it down. Again, almost done. The nations of them which are saved, the which are saved is taken out in Revelation 21. Come, take up the cross and follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. New World Translation, of course, they don't even believe in a cross. They don't believe Jesus died on a cross. A man that, this is goofy. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's pretty clear. ESV, a man of many companions may come to ruin. A man of many companions may come to ruin. NIV, New World Translation. There are companions ready to crush one another. <laughs> a man that hath friends must show himself. I get the top one. Revelation 13, 8. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So the lamb was slain. In God's mind, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Always been God's plan. ESV, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's Calvin, that's predestination. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation. You just change the subject from Jesus to people. Jesus has been before. In other words, it's predetermined who's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. See that? New World Translation, from the founding of the world, not one of their names has been written. It's talking about Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. They, they flipped it and made it about the book. This is another goofy one, Job 6, 6. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Amen, brother. You hand me a boiled egg, I want some salt. Somehow this was easier to understand. Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? And the New World Translation reads the juice of the mallow because that's easier to understand. Matthew eighteen eleven: For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. 
not in there. Just omitted. Gone. No verse 11. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his what? ESV, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. NASB, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. By means of whom we have, this is the New World Translation, the release by our ransom, the forg- there's no blood. It's the blood of Christ. Almost done, I promise. This is, this is bad. I would, they were even cut off with trouble you. The other ones say, including the New World Translation, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Yikes. I mean, that's just gross, let alone stupid. This one says, this guy slew the brother of Goliath. They left out the brother of, so it says that Elhanan, the son of Jeriorgim, the Bethlehemite, struck down Goliath. I know who killed Goliath. I was in Sunday school. <clears throat> this one says, instead of spider, the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. They changed it to lizard. Every house probably represented tonight has spiders in it, whether you want to like it or not, you know. Every, almost every house in the world probably has a spider in it. Not very many houses in the entire globe have lizards in them. Lizards don't usually live in the cold climate, but spiders will. Anyway, here's a good one. Genesis 3.16 concerning Eve. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. ESV, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. I know women that like that one. We're not supposed to be contrary to your husband. And this is laughable. Second Corinthians, I'm almost done. Second Corinthians 2.17, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Well, they couldn't have that because they are guilty of that. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. Yes, you are. They're, they're copyrighted. Not only have they corrupted it, but they have sold it for profit. So Antioch versus Alexandria. If you'll just think of it simply, it's just two different lineages. My Bible comes from the lineage of Antioch. And I believe it. And I don't even care if scientists or theologians disagree. I, I, things that are different are not the same. So I'm going to stick with the one that comes from Antioch. And that lineage is the one I'm going to respect. And if we were to get involved in translating into another language for another group of people around the world, we would want to stay with that side of the lineage and the Greek and Hebrew texts that are on that side of the lineage. And we would use our King James, obviously, as a guide. That's why we give out those parallels like we're doing right now on Wednesday morning. Someone just posted this. It's a little fuzzy, so I'll read it for you. The same people who say they can't understand thee or thou in a hymn. Right? Have you, have you seen the way kids text? Have you seen the way kids text and abbreviate? I can't understand these or thou's. Well, good grief, you can understand words that don't even have vowels in them. Don't tell me you can't understand these and thou's. It's the dumbing down of America and the laziness of America. And the these and the thous are important. They are very important. When Jesus said, I say unto thee, thee is singular. Ye is plural. I say unto thee, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. I'm telling you singular, but the message is for everyone. But you know how we talk today? You, you. Hey, you, take out the trash. Who are you talking to? Because you is singular or plural in our, in our day. So don't dumb it down because then it's not as concise. It's not as precise. It's not as clear. These and thou's really are important. <clears throat> I say unto thee, Abraham, and to thy seed. That's singular. He never said ye are all going to be blessed. He said thee and thy seed If you get in Jesus Christ, the seed, you'll be blessed with Abraham. The salvation comes through the seed, not the descendants. Everything's important, even the singular letters. This is a storybook that someone posted just this afternoon. It's probably hard for you to read. It's a Jesus storybook. Why 
do you want me to baptize you? Asked John. You should be baptizing me. I have come to the river today to wash my sins away, said Jesus. So John baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. There's multiple problems with this. First of all, Jesus didn't have long hair. I know he didn't. I won't talk about that right now, but he was not a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. A Nazarite had a vow not to cut his hair like Samson. Jesus was not a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. There's two different words. When Judas came at night, he said, I'll kiss him so that you can recognize him. Well, if he had long hair, it would have been easy to recognize him. Jesus didn't have long hair. Hollywood Jesuses have long hair. But that's not the biggest problem with this. I come to the river today to wash my sins away. Okay. Jesus didn't have any sin. And you and I don't wash our sins away in the river either. Our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. This is a storybook. See, we are getting away from the Bible and we're getting into stories about Jesus. There's, there's a, a popular thing called The Chosen. It's the TV series about Jesus. I might talk about it real soon. But people want to hear stories about Jesus. But you can't trade the word for the imaginations of somebody. And you can't allow somebody else's depiction of Jesus. This is bad. This is brainwashing children. We got to be real. We got to be understanding something. God gave us his word. That's what he gave us. We don't need to make it easier to understand. What I did tonight was to make the Bible easier to understand. But I still said, this is the word, not me and not anything else. This is the word. You've got to read the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every movie. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every artwork. Hey, our Sunday school teachers have pictures. Not against the pictures. But our Sunday school teachers have a Bible reference that they're supposed to read that goes with the pictures. The word is always the final authority. And today, the average church doesn't even have a Bible. I don't know of any other church in town, and I might be wrong, but I don't know of any other church in town where they have one standard version that you're supposed to have. And the preacher's going to use, a lot of them have everything up on the screen, so then he can just pick this version because it says it better and this version because it says it. And, he, and, and so then people don't even bring their Bibles to church. They just read it off the screen, whatever he's saying. Man, that's not the way to do it. We want you to have the Bible in your lap so that you can say, Pastor Matt, that's not what the Bible says. All right, I'll change my ways then. This is my fact checker. This is what we go by. This has to be the final authority. It has to be. It has to be the final authority. I'm not saying everybody out there is evil because they're trying so hard to do something in a different way, but beware of something. Beware, beware of this. Satan is so smart that he has inoculated us as a nation with Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor? You know what inoculation is? Inoculation is when they give you a small dose of something so that you never get the real thing. That's, that's America. Oh, I'm a Christian. I, I know all about Jesus. I've been watching him on TV. That's inoculation. I have a storybook. I know about Jesus, and he got, I, he got baptized. And, and I don't see anything wrong with the Jehovah's Witnesses because after all, they pretty much read the same thing as we read. <laughs> Satan has inoculated America with Jesus. The Bible says there's another Jesus and another gospel. And if you get inoculated, you won't get the real thing. We can't inoculate. We have to give them the full dose. We have to tell them exactly who he is and what his word says. <laughs> Let's close in prayer tonight and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to discuss it.
This is not to say that there aren't Christians out there who don't know this and are still carrying around some other modern version. And, and they just don't know this. And they're sincere. And just, I'm not saying you, Lord, know that I'm not saying they're not Christians. Because thankfully, even in those modern versions, there still is the truth of the gospel in a lot of them. But as a church and as a people who know better, we just, we just have to stick with what we know is right and then explain it and understand it and dig into it and study it. Thank you for your word. If we're going to talk about the founding of America and getting back to our roots, we can't ignore the Bible that our founders were using. And if we're going to get serious about the word, we might as well use the one we know is correct and from the correct source. Help us to be aware of what Satan is doing. Help us to be very wise and articulate in how we talk to people about it. But help us most of all to get back to reading it and living by it. And we ask this in Jesus' name.